0: Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh.
1: It doesn't claim to be a science book, but every place that it touches on an aspect of a known law of science, it does so with complete accuracy. It's not a history book per se. And yet every historical account of events or kingdoms or tribes or rulers or natural events or whatever it describes with absolute and complete accuracy. The
0: Bible. Followers like us know it's important, but why? And if it's important for our lives, what are we doing with it?
1: Right now in the worst circumstance of your life, it may stink, it may be terrible. It may be rotten. It may be something that you want out of so bad, but you may have absolutely no control over your circumstance whatsoever. But what you do have is the power to live in the midst of that circumstance with absolute victory in your life.
0: I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Today, we continue our series entitled Cross Culture in 3D, So Real You Can Touch It. We've been looking at the different dimensions of a fully devoted follower of Jesus, and one of those dimensions is discipline. As disciples of Jesus Christ, we need to build certain spiritual disciplines into our life in order to grow in our walk.
1: The discipline of the Word. Most of you in here are all grown adults. Nobody's going to make you build that discipline into your life, but oh, how you need it.
0: Today, Pastor Clay challenges us with the discipline of the Word of God. The Word of God is perfect. The 119th Psalm is where we'll spend most of our time today. As Pastor Clay is going to show us, the 119th Psalm teaches us some important principles concerning the Word of God that will help us build the discipline of studying the Word of God into our lives. Now, here's Pastor Clay with today's message.
1: It's Cross Culture in 3D. It's a series uh, designed to help us look at uh, three dimensions of a follower of Jesus. Uh, Three aspects of our life that have to uh, be a part of our life if our faith walk is going to become real. And, And that's why there's the tag, so real you can touch it. So real that the people around you can touch it, the people that you work with, the people that you live by, your neighbors, uh, the people that you interact in a restaurant or whoever it might be that, that even sometimes, maybe even without a, you know overt uh, gospel witness, but still just in your life and what comes out of your life. People can look and they say, I don't you know, something, something about that person uh, is different. That's what this is about, these three dimensions of a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We began with the first dimension, which was desire. By the way, you can go back at any time, listen to the podcast, of those messages, you can go directly to our website and click on listen there, or you can go to the iTunes store and, uh, and find it there. If you have any trouble finding it, by the way, just uh, let us know and, and we'll help you with that. But uh, desire, we talked about how the priority of desire, why there must be desire in our life, or none of the other dimensions will really uh, ever take shape In our life. And then we began into the second dimension of a fully-vote follower of Jesus, which is. Yes, thank you. My wife knew it was discipline. So she has to hear it from me a lot. So, yes, discipline. We began the, the dimension of a walk with Christ that involves the disciplines that need to be built into our life if this thing is going to be authentic, if it's going to be real. We've looked at prayer. We've looked at fasting. Y'all all all enjoyed that one, right? (laughs) Um, Today, we start into another discipline, a very important discipline in our life, and it is the Word, the Word of God. Uh, I'm curious, how many of you have ever uh, been to the Hoover Dam? How many of you ever... Been, been to? I mean, I've seen pictures. Okay, a couple of you. I've never been there. Uh, I've seen pictures of it. And I'm just kind of fascinated by the by the Hoover Dam. And, and dams in, in general. And I know that there are much bigger dams uh, nowadays uh, than the Hoover Dam. But the Hoover Dam, when it was first constructed in the late 1930s, was, was quite a uh, technological uh, and industrial you know, advancement. I mean, it was, it was a pretty big deal what they did way back in the 1930s. Now, the interesting thing about the, the Hoover Dam is that it's, that's what we know it by, those, right? We know it by the dam. We recognize those pictures we have been there. Everybody thinks about the dam. But it's what's actually inside of the dam or below the dam that most people don't think anything about and take for granted. I'm talking about the hydroelectric plant that is part of the Hoover Dam that produces power. In fact, as I understand it, 4.2 billion kilowatts of power annually. Uh, It provides power to three states, uh, Utah, Arizona, and California. It's the equivalent, I think, of about 3 million horsepower being produced. No, nobody thinks about that. Now, prior to uh, the Hoover Dam being constructed, one of the things I think is interesting about it is that I, I wonder at what point people realize that there's this endless source of power available to them, you know, namely the Colorado River. Um, maybe in the, initially they uh, they didn't understand how to, how to get to it. Maybe they thought it would be too difficult to get to it. Maybe they didn't even really grasp what they uh, had access to and the power that was available to them. I wonder if you realize the power that you have available to you today. I wonder if you do. We're going to spend some time this morning talking about the Word of God. And I just want to remind you of a few things. My my task today is to try and stir something in you that would motivate you to the place of saying, yes, I need that discipline in my life. I need the Word of God in my life. Because, I'll tell you this, it's perfect. The Word of God is perfect. Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 says this, The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. In other words, this this understanding of it is so purified, there's not a bit of impurities in it, no dross, no... It is absolutely, perfectly pure. It's perfect. Um, Peter reminds us of this. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. In other words, Paul just didn't say, Oh, geez, I don't know, what should I I write about today? Not by the act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, which ensured the fact that what was delivered to us was perfect. You see, ladies and gentlemen, despite what some people might say, this book was not, uh, and, and the letters therein were was not put together by some church council meeting somewhere that decided what books would be. Men simply recognized the imprint of God upon the books and letters within it. In other words, God had already determined what was His Word, and men recognized it. This is a Bible. Comes from the Latin word "biblia," which means books, which comes from the Greek word "biblias," which means scrolls or or books. It's perfect. I, Cindy and I are, are were babysitting our two oldest grandsons, Wyatt and Dakota, yesterday afternoon and last night, and so yesterday evening we took them over to the the park at Shelley Lake, and uh, I was swinging Dakota, and there was this lady beside me swinging her daughter and uh, when it got time for them to go, they finished up, and she, she was pulling her daughter out of the swing, and she said to her daughter, now don't put your hands in your mouth. Now, that's, I, I, that's good counsel. That's good advice. She had been playing in the sand. Uh, she was holding on to the change, which no doubt countless numbers of children had been holding on to previously during the day and sickness and all that stuff. So, I, you know, that's Certainly good advice she said don't put your hands in your mouth because if you do, your tongue will fall out <laughs> and then she said, "Trust me, I know what i 'm talking about i 'm just saying not bad counsel to not put her hands in her tongue in her, in her mouth edge in her mouth, but not perfect. the word of God is." Perfect. Listen, I want you to think about this with me for a moment. It doesn't claim to be a science book, but every place that it touches on an aspect of a known law of science, it does so with complete accuracy. It's not a history book per se, and yet every historical account of events or kingdoms or, or tribes or rulers or, or natural events or whatever, it describes with absolute and complete accuracy. It's predicted prophecy. One hundred percent of the time, it is perfect. Men have been trying to uh, disprove it, discredit it, destroy it, for at least a thousand years. It's perfect. It's practical. It really is practical. Paul writes this to Timothy, and he says this: "You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood." Now I kind to stop right here and just say. That's why we do see two kids ministry. We know in, in Timothy's case, we, we know from the context, we know that, that two godly women, his mother and his grandmother, invested in Timothy's life. And you as parents have the responsibility to invest in your children's lives. And we as a church invest in children's lives. That's why we do see two kids ministry. That's why we try and put the truth of Scripture at a level that our children can grasp and get a hold of. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood and watch this and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Timothy that's how you came to Christ because somebody taught you the word of God even at an early age and it's given you the wisdom to know that you need a relationship with Christ and you've trusted him for your salvation all scripture is inspired by God and is useful it's practical to teach us what is true to make us realize what is wrong in our lives It corrects us when we are are wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's just practical, folks. It is perfect. It is practical. It is powerful. Um, Maybe you're familiar with this passage of Scripture, Hebrews. uh, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. If you hang around here uh, for a while, you'll hear me inevitably sometime in a prayer uh, quote that passage of Scripture in Hebrews. Asking that the great physician, the Lord God Almighty, would use his scalpel, the Word of God, to surgically remove from our lives the things that should not be there and to sow into our lives the things that we need in our life that's the word of god it is powerful listen to me can i can i say this to you you may be right now in the worst circumstance of your life it may stink it may be terrible It may be rotten. It may be something that you want out of so bad, but you may have absolutely no control over your circumstance whatsoever. But what you do have is the power to live in the midst of that circumstance with absolute victory in your life. It is powerful. Now, let's see. What's another one? It's priority. Or certainly it should be. It certainly was for the early church. Look at at a few of these passages of Scripture. Look at uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Therefore, and you guys can help me with this. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching what? Say it. The Word. Acts chapter 13, verse 5. When they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim what? Come on. The Word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. Acts chapter 15. But Paul and Barnabas stayed in Antioch teaching and preaching with many others also, what? The word of the Lord. See a pattern here? Come on. Colossians chapter 1, verse 25. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you, what? The word of God in its fullness. That means the whole thing. We can't hide the passages that maybe we don't like or are tough to swallow. And uh, one more. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach what? The word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and exhort, encourage with great patience and careful instruction. It was a priority for the people sent out because it was the priority for the people they were going to. They needed the Word of God for salvation. They needed the Word of God to grow up in that salvation, to grow up in that relationship. It's the priority, or should be. And it's permanent. Uh, I, this is just fascinating to me, the reality of the permanence of the Word of God. Um, look at this passage of Scripture, Isaiah chapter 40. The grass withers, the flowers fade, But the word of our God endures forever. What in this world endures forever these days? Jesus himself in Mark 13, 31 said this. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Peter reminds us, same thing, similar. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. It is permanent. As I said a moment ago, men have been trying to disprove it and discredit it and, and, and get rid of it for thousands of years. And yet the Word of God stands true. Listen to me. A thousand years from now, nobody will remember what Oprah or Rush Limbaugh said. Make sure we cover both sides of the aisle. Nobody, nobody, a thousand years from now, nobody will remember that, but they will still know the Word of God. It is an amazing thing. So, what are you doing with it? What are you doing with this powerful, permanent priority? I have some ideas uh, that I'm going to share with you um, if you have your Bibles with you today, if you happen to bring it with, and I, and I do, I say this from time to time, I encourage you, bring a copy of God's Word with you. Normally, this series, quite honestly, some of it is, a lot of it's been sort of uh, uh, topical in the approach to the to the messages that we've dealt with, but we've looked at a lot of Scripture, but, uh, but I think it's important to work through, to exegete passages of Scripture. Today, we're in the 119th Psalm, so if you have a copy of God's Word with you, you can turn there. Now, I'll just be honest with you, we'll be looking at a lot of them, flipping through them very quickly, but... Psalm 119 is where we are today. Psalm 119 is an interesting psalm. It is the longest psalm in the Old Testament. Not only that, it's the longest chapter in the entire Bible. And it has one subject throughout the entire thing. And it is the Word of God. The 119th psalm is all about the Word of God. You, you always go, well, I don't know what should I, what about the, what? turn to Psalm 119 if you're not sure. Stuff so you want to know about the Word of God. David, the author of the 119th Psalm, shares a lot. And we're going to look and basically we're just going to walk through a lot of verses, ladies and gentlemen. And and sometimes without with as little commentary as I can get away with. But, But David teaches us something about this Word of God and what we ought to do with it. And here's where I think we start. Love it. Love the Word of God. Now, we'll look at some verse in a moment, but you can begin to see where, and I've mentioned this several times, where that desire aspect comes in and becomes so important and why there needs to be desire in our life. But ladies and gentlemen, you have to love the Word of God. Now, let's look at what David has to say, uh, beginning, I think, in verse 10. All of these in the 119th Psalm. Now, I'm just going to walk through these. Now, just just listen to what David's saying. Hear his heart. With all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. By the way, David uses a lot of synonyms in here that refer to the same thing, the word of God. He'll he'll refer to commandments, testimonies, ordinances, uh, and a few other things. But he has one subject matter in mind, the word of God. Um, uh, Verse 14, I have rejoiced. In the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. Now think about that for a moment. Verse 20, my soul is crushed with longing after your ordinances at all times. David says, man, I'm just, I'm just, I'm crushed if I can't get to your word. Verse 24, your testimonies also are my delight. Verse twenty thirty-six: uh, 36, incline my heart To your testimonies. Verse 40, behold, I long for your precepts. He wants them that badly. Verse 47, I shall delight in your commandments, which I love. I know I'm going through these kind of fast, and if you're trying to write them down, you can, or or I'll, I'll get them to you. Verse 72, the law of your mouth, now listen to this, is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Now, I don't, I, don't think, I don't think David is just blowing smoke there. I think that's really how he feels about the word of God. Verse 97, oh, how I love your law. Verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 111, I have inherited your testimonies forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Verse one twenty seven. Therefore, I love your commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. One more. Your word is very pure. Therefore, your servant say it with me. Loves it. Loves it. Hmm, well, it's a, it's kind of David's kind of on the fence here about the word of God, isn't he? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that? Do you think that David had to be reminded to go to the Word of God? Do you think David had to be coerced and manipulated and pushed and guilted into spending more time in the Word of God? No, no. Just the opposite. Matter of fact, David would have fought you if you came between him and the Word of God the way you or I would fight someone that came between us and our spouse. This love affair with the word of God. When, when I first surrendered my life to the Lord, I, I didn't know Diddley, I, I, I really didn't. I, my wife I, I had to go buy me some, some of those stick-on tabs in my Bible. My Bible didn't have those separations. I bought buy me stick-on tabs so that I could learn some of the books of the Bible, what was in the Old Testament, what was in the, the New Testament. And, and, and I'm telling you, I, I didn't know Adam from Zerubbabel. I remember—I um, don't know if you remember this or not, maybe—but I, I remember one time we first started going to church, and we and we went to this couples' class like party social thing, and they were playing the the newlywed game. There's a fun one, right? All of us guys, yay! <laughs> the newlywed game. you, you remember? And they asked—they I was scared to death that someone was going to ask me something about the Bible, and and they they asked what uh, What would your spouse say is your favorite book of the Bible? I don't even have a clue what I said. I sure didn't know what Sarah's favorite one was. I didn't have a clue. What... I think I said one, because I'd, sure, I'd come across books of the Bible and known something about it. I... I... But I don't know. Somewhere by the grace of God in those early days, I fell in love with the Word of God. And it is a love affair that has lasted for many years now. And the amazing thing is, this is, this is just how it works. The amazing thing is, The longer this love affair goes on, the deeper in love I fall. And just like my relationship with my wife, it just becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Y'all like the way I worked that in? That was good, right? But it's true, man. It's true. It's, It's to fall in love with the Word of God. David is is helplessly, hopelessly, happily, head over heels in love with the word of God. He can't get enough of it. you got to love it. Love it and learn from it. Boy, that's something else David is big on. Okay, uh, live it. Let's see some of these uh, verses. Uh, Verse 12. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me, teach me your statutes. Verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. Open my eyes, teach me, Lord God. Listen to what he's saying now. Verse 24, they, meaning the testimonies of God, are my, what? The word of God is my counselor. That's who's teaching me. Verse 26, teach me your statutes. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I shall observe it to the end. Verse 64, teach me your statutes. Verse 66, teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Verse 68, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Is David a broken record? He he just knows. He's got it, doesn't he? Verse 102, I've not turned aside from your ordinances, for you yourself have taught me. Verse 125, I am your servant. Give me understanding that I may know your testimonies. I want to know this stuff, God. Verse 169, let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. And then one more, 171, let my lips utter praise for, say it with me, you teach me your statutes. You see? David, David's not content with some religious responsibility that he has, some religious duty. Oh, I've got to make sure, I've got to check that off. We've talked, I've got to check off. Yep, read my Bible today. No, David wants to know this stuff. He wants to learn from the Word of God. When I was in college in the Atlanta area, I was on staff of a little church down there, and uh, every time there was a, a church function, a church social, as they used to call it uh, in those days, Miss um, Jan would bring fried cornbread. Whew. It was good. <laughs> it, as a matter of fact, it was so good, if you, you know, if you were five minutes late getting there, forget about it, because it, it, was, it was gone. The fried cornbread, Miss Jan's fried cornbread was always the first one. It was, all, it was just delicious. I mean, it was, it was good. I, I loved it. Everybody loved it. And one day, Cindy said, I'm going to get Jan to teach me how to make her fried cornbread. Now, I'm just telling you, ladies, now it's nothing, okay? But I'm just telling you, y'all can, y'all can get a little protective about those recipes sometimes, you know? Somebody comes and asks ask you, hey, will you give me the recipe to that or whatever? Miss Janet, she was so gracious. Uh, she invited us over to her and... And her husband, T's home, T, was a retired minister, pastor. And, um, and, they, and they invited us over and got there. And Miss Jan even already had a skillet there for Cindy, had already um, uh, seasoned it. Yeah, I think that's important. Uh, had already seasoned it for It was already seasoned and ready to go. And she just slowly, carefully, step by step, walked Cindy through how to make this Fried cornbread, and she didn't leave out any secret ingredients or anything. When she finished, Cindy's fried cornbread tasted just like Miss Jan's. She she wanted to teach Cindy her recipe because she could tell that Cindy really wanted to know it. Maybe she knew I wanted Cindy to know it. (laughs) Listen, don't you think God wants you to know this stuff? And don't you think if you have that desire in your life and you're willing to put in the, the effort to do it, don't you think God will teach you? Now, so many times I can be like, well, wow, it's just so hard, or I don't understand this, or what does this mean, or how come this? And listen, I don't mind questions. I I, I do. I love questions. I love to, to deal with them. But, but I mean, real, do you not think God wants to teach you this stuff? I mean, it, yeah, he does. He really does. Love it and learn from it, and then live it. That's something else that David teaches us. Man, live it. Live the word of God out in your life. Watch these verses. Look at these verses. Verse 1 through 9. How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who, watch this, walk in the law of the Lord. They've learned this stuff, and their life, it's coming into their life. They're walking in the law of the Lord. How blessed are those who observe His testimonies, who seek Him with all their heart. They also do no unrighteousness. They walk in His ways. You have ordained your precepts, that's His word, Uh, that we should keep them diligently. Oh, that my ways may be established to keep your statutes. Then I shall not be ashamed when I look upon all your commandments. I shall give thanks to you with uprightness of heart when I learn your righteous judgments. I shall keep your statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. That's how my way stays straight. I live in it. I walk in it. There's a lot of other examples David gives us. Verse 17, deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Verse 34, give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it with all my heart. I'm living it out, Lord God. So I will keep your law continually, forever and ever. I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be ashamed. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. Verse 105, your word, it's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Now, let me just stop right there a minute. How many times have you in your life said, wow, I wish I knew what, what I was supposed to do next or what direction I should go or, or you know, it's like I, you know, I, I just can't really see what's in front of me. God, your word, it's a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my path. Listen, can I just break that down for you? Hello, McFly. Open the Word of God if you want to know His will for your life. Now, you're not going to turn to, okay, I'm off on something, but I'll come back. You're not going to turn to, you know, uh, some particular verse that says, um, go take the job at IBM. Amen. <laughs> Be nice. But that's, that's not, but, but it's, it's going to the Word of God for counsel. Trusting in the word of God and then allowing God to direct your path as you're trusting in him. Uh, Let's see, I think a couple more. 110, the wicked have laid a snare for me, yet, now listen, there's different circumstances in David's life that he keeps describing. The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not gone astray from your precepts. I keep walking in your word, Lord God. That's what he's saying. Verse 133, establish my, what's that word? Footsteps. My life. In your word, and do not let any iniquity have dominion over me. Live it. It comes out of my life because it's gone into my life. I've fallen in love with it. I've learned from it, and now I'm living in it. Live it, ladies and gentlemen. Live it in prosperity and live it in poverty. Live it in good times. Live it in hard times. Live it in, in trials, live it in circumstances, live it in your thought processes, live it in your words, live it in your actions, live it in your marriage, live it in your workplace, live it in your neighborhood, live it. That's what David's saying. He says, I, I live this stuff. And that's what we learn from David, the importance of living it out. That's, I haven't given you one of these in a, in a while, but that in essence, if you will, is the, the BP squared today. It's the big picture, biblical principle, the word of God. Love it, learn it, live it, and it'll begin to have an impact on your life. Let me give you, uh, so, and there's so much that I could even say about these, but I'll just give them to you and move on. Because David's saying, this is what you ought to do, you ought to love it, you ought to learn it, you got to live it? Okay, all right. Give me something that's good. I understand that. I understand what you're saying. I know I got to work on that in my life. What, what, do I, what do I need to do? Okay, let me, let me give you my, my three M's. I've, I've been off on all these matching letters here lately, haven't I? Uh, first, memorize it. Memorize it. Oh, it's too hard. I can't memorize. Hey, can I ask you a question? How many of y'all in here know your address? Probably know your phone number. If you're married, you, you probably know your spouse's name. Don't, don't, don't tell me you can't memorize. Oh, yeah. Talk to the hand. This is where my non-compassionate pastoral aspect comes out. Don't tell me you can't memorize the word of God. You can. It may take you a year to memorize one verse. I don't care. Like I said before, you got your whole life. What are you going to be doing with it anyway? David said the same thing in verse 11. Your word I have treasured. Some translations have hidden. Your word I've put in my heart so I won't sin against you. I put this stuff in here. I've learned it. I've memorized it. I've taken it to heart, and I've learned it. Memorize it. Listen, find out what works. Get you a formula. I don't care what it is. I tell people, get index cards, write something, whatever it is. They even, I think bookstores even sell memory, Scripture memory cards. You can just buy them. And they're small, and you stick them in your pocket or in your purse or your man purse or, or whatever it is you, you want to use. <laughs> and, and, and pull it out, you know? five times a day or I don't know stick it on your mirror put it in your your iTunes rotation whatever that's called you got okay move on meditate david says in verse 15 i will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways uh, to meditate on it simply means chew on it a while man get in that pa- it, it, you ever john 3:16 Almost everybody knows John 3, 16. Maybe not everybody if you didn't grow up in church, but for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not or should not perish but would have everlasting life. You could spend the rest of your life chewing on that one passage of Scripture and just exploring the depths of what all that means. To meditate on the word of God means that, that I'm going to, to take a particular passage of Scripture, I think, uh, maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a particular book this year, maybe it's a, just a paragraph, maybe it's just a single verse, but I'm going to spend some time contemplating, thinking about that. And if that's 20 minutes today, if that's 20 minutes every day for the next month, if that's for, whatever it is, meditate on the Word of God. Spend time in it. How many times have you, because I'm guilty, that's happened to me, how many times have you read your daily bread devotion verse for the day, closed it up, and if you've never done this, do it. Just say, okay, now what, what, did, that, what did I just read? I, I, don't, I don't know, but I can check it off. No, you've got to spend time. You've got you to memorize, yes, you've got to meditate on the Word of God. And the last one I've got is mature. You've you got to mature in this thing. You've got to grow up in the Word of God. Look what David says in verse 100. He says, I understand more than the aged. He, he's not bragging. He just said, I understand that more than people have lived much longer than me. You know why I have? Because I have observed your precepts. God, I've gotten in your word and you've taught me so much. I've matured. I, I, I've, I've grown up. Do you, if you were here, do you remember when we were talking about desire, we looked at this passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 5. Do you remember this? The writer of Hebrews says, You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Now, that may sound a little harsh, but apparently the writer of the book of Hebrews was having a bad day that day. Maybe, maybe so, I don't know, but he's just like, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's like, come on, guys, grow up. Mature in this thing. So, I really would encourage you, Make some commitments to to memorize the Word of God. Make some commitments to meditate and to mature in it. And and guess what happens when you do this? It all is kind of interconnected. When you do that, you begin to fall in love with the Word of God. You know when you begin to fall in love with the Word of God? When you learn it. You know when you'll start learning the Word of God? When you start living it out. And when you start loving it. It all kind of works together. It's worth it. it. It really is. It's worth it because here's what happens. Let me give you David, the same author of the 119th Psalm. In Psalm 1, wrote these words, and I want you to see them. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners. No, he d- he doesn't do that sort of thing, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's where his life is centered. And in his law, he meditates day and night. Watch this. Watch the result. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. It's the discipline of the word. Most of you in here are all grown adults. Nobody's going to make you build that discipline into your life but oh, how you need it. It's not easy. The, the Hoover Dam that I started with was not easy. Somewhere between, and there's discrepancy on the somewhere between 96 and 114 people died as a result of building the Hoover Dam. Something like 4.3 million yards of concrete went into its construction. I'll give you an idea. Uh, that's enough concrete to pave a a standard 16-foot highway from San Francisco to New York City. It wasn't easy to get to that power, but it was worth it. It's not easy to get to the power of the Word of God, but it's worth it. It's worth every ounce of effort you put in, every second of time that you invest, it's worth it to build the discipline of the Word.
0: Love it. Learn from it. Live it. David, the writer of the 119th Psalm, demonstrated the importance of all three for the discipline of the Word of God in our lives. As Pastor Clay explained today, those three imperatives are inseparable. If you love the Word of God, you'll learn from it. If you learn from it, you'll live in it. There will always be things fighting for our time and attention, but nothing will ever be more important to our spiritual growth as spending time with the Word of God. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk.